Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everybody. Was that too much, Casey? Wow, that was a lot. Did you see me like jump back? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other such things. Like trees. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I'm a host also, and my name is Casey Crop. You know, Casey, I think right before we started, I felt a little down energy. Oh, come and on. And so I compensated a little hard. <laughs> you yelled into the microphone. I, sw- I swung I swung in the other direction a little much. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like when actors are getting ready to, <clears throat> to do acting things, they just like, you know, jump and they go, bah, rah, rah, and be really silly. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just trick their body into doing it. Totally. Or if you want to like, if you need to be out of breath in a scene, you like run around the block. Yeah. Did you know I used to, um, no matter what, if someone asked me, like, hey, how's it, how's it going today? I would always just respond, I'm doing great, always. Mm. And then, uh, and my theory behind it, and I think I heard this somewhere, is that if you do that, then your brain's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I am great. Like, That's just right. saying it convinces yourself. And then at one point, I was like, no, but I want to be honest with people. And they'd be like, hey, how, how's your day? And I'm like, you know what? It's a day. <laughs> it's a li- I like that I like that methodology too but it's a little hard when like things aren't going good for like a few weeks yeah. and then every every time somebody asks you how you're doing you're like well I'm not doing Man, honestly right. well I'm pretty shitty yeah yeah uh, well I kind of like maybe a balance of both yes I think it's true a small bit of honesty but lie to yourself every now and then to make yourself feel better I would like, say mostly it's, lies it's healthy yeah, yeah. mostly lies <laughs> well Alex how are you I'm doing great that's great to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm 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 okay. Mm. Uh, the moment you showed up here to record, I uh, spent 20 minutes venting about all the things that are going <laughs> wrong with me right now. Uh, so I got that out of my system. I'm feeling fairly positive. Okay, good. Uh, you can talk to me anytime. I appreciate that, and ditto that. Thank you. We kind of had two heart to hearts. We had tonight. hearts to hearts tonight. Yeah. We are bonded. We're not going to tell you guys what we talked about. No, that's personal. And professional. Yes, that's personal professional. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm surviving. The the mm-hmm. big thing is Solo, our producer, and my beloved dog. Oh, no. A little sick. Yeah. But I'm going to be positive about it. He's very old, and he's pretty sick. But uh, he is... Laying over here, sleeping soundly. He's looking happy right now. He's got his meds in him. <laughs> well, that's why he looks happy. He's got a bunch of boiled beef in his belly. <laughs> well, that would make anyone happy, unless you're a vegetarian <laughs> or a cow. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, 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 ah, whatever. Great work. How are you doing, Casey? I am, I'm, I think I'm doing great in a very legitimate sense. Wow. Yeah, I got uh, yeah. There's there's a whole galaxy of things swirling around, but I feel like uh, I feel like everything's ultimately getting through just fine. You know, what's helping me right now 
The sunshine. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This last week has just been a delight. Walked around, played some disc golf. I won a game of disc golf. Hey, congrats. Thank you. Felt that good. doesn't surprise me one bit. You're, wow. you're a talented frolfer. It's ridiculous. Thank you. However, uh, it's just been a delightful, like, just sunshine in the middle of February. I feel like this happens every year where, like, it's February. It's supposed to be cold and awful, but there's, like, this bout of amazing weather and when we say amazing it's like 55 degrees and you're like yes take off all of my top six layers yes. and you still have like four layers on underneath yep at 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 like 49 degrees we all take we all put our shorts on <laughs> in portland exactly what it is are they wearing flip-flops oh they totally are <laughs> i don't wear flip-flops to be clear it feels great yeah i'm i'm digging the sun i have spent the last few days inside mm. with the blinds closed yeah so i'm not experiencing a lot of it well you're focused in here Yes, I'm getting things done. Yeah. Well, at one time, you're going to open yourself up, like op- open your windows up, and it's going to be June. You're going to be like, what? What? What happened? And then it's just going to be a beautiful just cascade of all these great things. You know, there's a plant metaphor in there somewhere. Somewhere. I'll leave it to everyone else to find it. Yeah. Let us know your plant metaphor. Hashtag plant metaphor. <laughs> all right. Casey, I am pretty excited about today's episode. Why? Because it is a tree that I have an opinion on, oh. that I have had an opinion on for many years, that I'm excited to learn more about, and uh, I think it's a pretty groovy, one groovy tree. All right, man. Not to, not to uh, show my hand too much here. Oh, now but, I'm curious what your hand is that you would show. Oh, my pockets are heavy with all these golden cones. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, today we are talking about the ponderosa pine and can i get a yeehaw yeehaw was that too loud no it was great good turn the woofers down i think you maybe peaked oh god no we're good all right thank god the ponderosa pine pinus ponderosa easiest scientific name i love these kinds of scientific names because they're like a super easy to spell yeah frontwards and backwards and when you inevitably have to do it on a test it's a gimme that's right oh casey yeah I just realized I am without something that is essential to the production of this podcast. Oh, my God. I'll be right back. He's getting up. He's walking over to his desk, his other desk, and he pulls out the Sibley Guide to Trees. Now, Alex, you also now have the Sibley Guide to Birds. I do. Man. I I correctly identified a bird today. Oh, that's right. What bird was it? Oh, I can't remember. Can you? Merganser, the hooded merganser. Yes. To be very clear, I'm not a bird person, and that was just strictly memory recall. It was good memory recall. Thank you. I am just going to open up... uh, To Pinus Ponderosa. Oh, I can tell you all about it for right now. All right, so the scientific name. Wait, hold on. Pinus Ponderosa. Yes. (laughs) Casey, as we do every episode, let Mm -hmm. us imagine... That we are walking through a ghost town. Uh, in the West. In, yeah, in Eastern Oregon. And uh, we come across some stunning mwah, chef's kiss, Pinus yes. Ponderosa. Oh, what God. are we looking at? So this is, the, I, when you started asking this question, I, it was so good to me. I'm such a visual person. To where I just remembered and I just picture all these different forests. The only thing is, there's so many different kinds of morphology for the ponderosa pine. 
What is morphology? Oh, that's a great question. All right. Morphology is what something looks like, you know? Oh, okay. Kind of like a phenotype uh, versus genotype. Now I'm just adding more terms to it. A genotype is what the genes say that the plant's going to do. A phenotype is how it actually appears to your eyes when you actually look at it. Oh. Morphology of a plant would be like, how long is the leaves? How tall does it grow? How big does it get? And like, what shape do all of its little parts take? Okay. So what you're saying is like, the ponderosa pine takes many forms. Yes, precisely. It's so like, like X Man. Exactly. It's the. It is okay. It's not quite as an X Man as the uh, lodgepole pine. Which, oh my oh. god, this we're doing two pines in one season. Our winter collection, of course, should be full of evergreen conifers and other evergreen plants and some deciduous. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. We're also, there's a lot of pine trees. There's a lot of different kinds of pines. Yeah. And this one, again, a fan favorite. We just, we need to make sure that everyone listens to the first, our winter collection and is like, ah, this podcast is incredible. So we're just (laughs) front loading it with all the best trees. I know. Season two is going to be a real dud. It's going to be so good. You guys, (laughs) we've already planned it. Yeah. I'm actually quite excited for season two. No spoilers. No spoilers. So uh, you're walking through a forest. I am going to take you through the Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington forest for the time being mostly because it's what i'm mostly familiar with however um before i get there if you are in the mountain west if you're basically anywhere from approximately the rockies in sort of the northern section you know not even northern just like the top three quarters of the united states or even just the continent of north america and you look at a tree and you're like, what is that tree? And you just randomly point at a tree and you guess that it's a ponderosa pine, you're probably going to be right. It is a ubiquitous tree across the entire Western North America. Really? Yeah. You're in Eastern Canada, Eastern Oregon, Eastern uh, Washington, Eastern and Southern Oregon, and Southern or sort of Northern Eastern California. You're in Wyoming. You're in the Rockies. You're all over the place. There's probably the big tree that's over there that's gorgeous. The Black Hills, North Dakota, South Ooh, Dakota. Oh, yes. sorry. It's in South Dakota. That, they're all ponderosa pines. Wow. So. It's a prolific tree. Prolific. It's extremely good at growing in areas that are dry and arid, mm-hmm. but just with a little bit more water than not. Okay. So if you are in like a really scrubby desert area, you're probably going to have junipers and some other pines here and there, like small trees that don't get very big. Ponderosa pines will get big. Mm. They're the second biggest species of pine, only to the sugar pine. No kidding. That's true. How big are we talking? Oh, they can get pretty massive. I think some of the largest ones have been up to, I think like 270 some feet. Uh Sibley says uh, max 262. 262. I was that's, one, I was 10 feet off. Yeah, Dang it. that's incredible. They're huge trees and they get like super huge around like eight, nine, 10 feet in diameter. Whoa, sometimes. they do? Massive. Yeah. Those are exceedingly rare to be clear. Right. But it's only because they grow really slowly in areas that are mostly dry and like, not, I don't want to say scrub, it's not the right term, just dry, more arid habitats where water, as a, if you have resources and you're like, well, which one's limiting? Water is going to be the limiting resource in these habitats. Okay. 
but it's not so little water to where you can't get a tree. So if there's enough water to get a tree, you're probably going to get ponderosa pine, maybe Jeffrey pine, other species as you go north or south. And then as you get drier and drier, then you get to like junipers and sagebrush and, you know, pinions and little tiny trees that can't grow very large. So basically, um, if you're in a drier part of the West, but it has enough rainfall that it can support trees, the big trees that you're going to see there, probably ponderosa pine. Got it. That was extremely succinct. Thank you. I should have done that the first time. <laughs> should, I just, should I just edit that and <laughs> only that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, especially if all the rest of the show goes way too long. I think people want to hear you... Uh... <laughs> Stumble through everything. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. Um, all right. Casey... I am really curious about the, um, well, speaking of uh, morphology. Tell me. Uh, cones. All right. Ponderosa pine cones. Yes. So the ponderosa pine cone, again, in fact, if you, uh, if you listen to some people who rate pine cones, then they would call <laughs> it the, the Tom Hanks of the pine cone world. Oh. The ponderosa pine is such a ubiquitous tree in you know every western state, at least in most uh, the larger sections of them. You're going to see that this it's the standard cone. You go to a grocery store, and the grocery store during Christmas times has a bunch of cones that are um, like scented, like cinnamon. <gasps> yes, those are ponderosa pine cones. Okay, yeah, I get one. I get a bunch of those every year. What a great mental image because yeah. I know exactly what you're talking <sighs> about. So good yeah they really do so back to that though the, you, if you're in one of these drier arid areas a you're going to be stepping on these cones and they're really pokey mm. you can tell the difference between say a jeffrey pine and a ponderosa pine in that the cones of the ponderosa they're maybe uh, between like three and five inches tall okay and they have little barbs that come out on the umbos they're called armed umbos and that's the uh, tip of the scales armed umbos armed umbo wow i like that a lot isn't it fun and they always it, like you know, goes together very phonetically. Arm Dumbo. Arm Dumbo. It sounds like Arm Dumbo. Yeah, Armed Dumbo. Whoa. Yeah, you don't want to see that. Watch out for this elephant. Oh He's gosh. on a killing spree. And he flies. <laughs> He's like a machine gun helicopter, this boy. Oh, that's terrifying. But he's also gentle. Yeah, he would, he's only shooting bad guys. Yeah, exactly. You're the best, Dumbo. <laughs> like CEOs. Oh, thank you. Not to get political. Wow. <laughs> wow. Only of circuses. <laughs> Circus CEOs. <laughs> All of them. There's like four. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> So the uh, but they don't they have really um, their cones. If you catch them, they'll be really sharp and pokey on your hands. Yeah, they don't look great to hold. And so the other thing, uh, there's two other like ubiquitous things about these trees, especially as you're walking through the forest. And this is half the reason so many people are so in love with this tree. A because a lot of times it's the only tree that's growing. If you live in a more dry space, mm -hmm. then that's gonna be the big tree that you see. That's maybe not a native or a non-native planted tree or ornamental of some kind. Okay. So um, you're in eastern central Oregon. You're walking through the woods, and there is going to be these huge, big trees with these orange columns of bark going up. And orange. I mean, like, bright orange. And they have these little, teeny, tiny pieces of bark that are like puzzle pieces. Mm. And they have, like, they're even beveled kind of on the side. Like, they're super beautiful. Wow. And you can literally just, like, pop them off and, like, plop, plop. Plop, plop, and they'll just like pop right off the side of the tree. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like completely covered from top to bottom with these puzzle pieces. They're this bright yellow with these dark furrows in between. So you have like these bright yellow with these 
dark lines going between. Wow. And then you got this other big plate of, you know, these fancy colored, highly textured bark. Trust me, there will be lots of photos of these. I'll show you. Cool. And each one of these trees will be maybe 30 or 40, 50 feet away from another. Hmm. And when the um, settlers were coming over from uh, on the Oregon Trail, you mm-hmm. know, these immigrants were coming over. They were like, wow, look, th- is this a park? And then they're like, no, this is just wild land. But they would have such wide open expanses with these trees that they almost were like, this feels like a park where it's been managed and the trees have been planted, spaced really far away from each other. So the further you are spaced apart, the less competition you have. Mm -hmm. However, it's not in this case the fact that they are choosing to grow this far apart. They are the trees that have lived and survived over hundreds of years of very small, low-intensity fires that have come through. Ah, we've talked plenty about low-intensity fires in our uh, lodgepole pine episode. That is, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. But also, almost any tree in the West is going to have some amount of fire ecology associated with it. I see. Casey, I also want to know, because you have told me before that pines, you can kind of... A good place to start when identifying a pine is the amount of needles yes. on one bud. I did skip over that, didn't I? Well, I'm just bringing us back, my man. Great move. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the pine needle. Yes. The ponderosa pine needle. The ponderosa pine needle. The ponderosa pine needle, they're actually fairly long. And so if you're ever walking around, you're like, oh, was this a pine tree? And if it has really long needles then that pine tree, they're long needles in groups of three, bundles of three. Three, okay. Yes. This is a three-needle pine. That's exactly right. And they're usually about, um, I'd say between six and eight inches, but some of them go down to four inches. And so, like, this is another thing with the um, the different subspecies and varieties. Mm. Ponderosa pine does that same thing, just as lodgepole pine does. Um, so the variety that grows over in the Black Hills in South Dakota versus the one that grows down in the Southern Mountains in California versus the one in the uh, Siskiyous versus, you know, all these other different small populations. I think there's maybe five distinct ones. Hmm. Um, They all have different size cones. Their bark is a little bit different color, different textures. And then there's this different one. uh, Their needles are just a little bit longer or a little bit shorter on average, of course. So they're usually between like, I would say five and eight inches long, these needles, always in groups of three. And they... um, they grow with this really uh, very upright um, pointed kind of, you know, they, they have really tufted branches. That's a thing with pine trees is that their needles all grow out around the stem. So they tend to have these looks where I, they're like bottle brushes, but really big bottle brushes, oh, you yeah, know? yeah, totally. But then the ponderosa pine, it'll grow up and have a very straight, have a central leader with these little sides going down. So it has that kind of triangle effect. But then as it gets older, it starts to basically slow down its upward growth. and But its side growth continues to, to kind of develop. So you end up getting a very sharp pointed tree when it's younger, but then everything else aside of it keeps growing growing big and it rounds itself off. Interesting. So if you see a really big old one, all you know, maybe a couple crows landed on it. Maybe the top bud got frozen in some wacky, crazy winter storm. Mm. So the top died off. And so now these two little side bits have come out, but they're growing left and right. Nothing's really growing up. It's just this big old rounded top tree. And that's how you can tell if it's a really old tree half the time. Interesting. It also have a huge you know, trunk. Casey, there's um, one other 
thing about the morphology, mm. which is a word I'm going to use every 18 seconds now. <laughs> yeah, it's how now you that memorize it, right? <laughs> um, of the ponderosa pine, I feel like anytime I've seen a ponderosa pine, yeah. All of the foliage is growing on like the top third, and then there's oh, just yeah. a bare stem. Mm-hmm. Is this because of fires? Most of the time, yeah. Okay, so it'd be either because of fires or they're not um, shade tolerant trees. Oh, sure. Yeah, so if they're growing in a forested situation, then you're going to have these the um, the all the trees around it are going to shade out all the lower limbs, and then also if you do have fire that comes through, that fire is going to burn up everything on the bottom. Right. Hopefully, that tree has lived on the very topmost, maybe the top two thirds of the tree. Yeah. So then it'll keep going. Or if it's at least it get got burnt, it'll still be alive. And then the next year it'll put out a flush of new, nice green growth. I see. But they're adapted just for that that specific scenario. So then as soon as they lose all the lower limbs, it's in their advantage to lose those limbs because they're what's called ladder fuels. Or they can comp- be a component of what's called ladder fuels. Have you heard this term? Absolutely not. Oh, no. get out of here. The ladder fuel is basically a little, you have a fire that starts and it just starts growing really low to the ground on pine needles. Then all of a sudden it hits a small grass. Then it hits a little shrub. Then all of a sudden uh, it starts to grow and the flame physically gets higher. I then see. it can hit the next highest thing, then the next lowest, then the next, then the next. And it literally is if a flame is jumping from a grass to an herb to a shrub to a bigger shrub to a small tree to a medium tree to a big tree. And then if it's really terrible conditions, then you're just going to get this crown fire and it goes and just destroys the whole forest. Jeez. So if you if it has a low intensity fire that comes through, and just kind of every now and then just goes chip, 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 mm-hmm. and kind of just keeps everything in check below these trees, then they can just get really big and they're like, well, I can't even feel that far. Was it a little warm over there? Uh, no, I don't care. <laughs> L-A-D-D-E-R, fuel. Yes, yes. Got it. Sorry, it's not the, yeah, it's, it's, it's the fire I said in the sentence before I said the former. It's <laughs> oh wait no it's the backwards oh god that always was so hard for me oh, I I kind of zoned out while you were saying it because I wasn't even <laughs> I was sure if I could follow you good I I perfect <laughs> I rarely zone out when you're talking I I know you don't I'm very economical with my zone <laughs> only when you need to. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So one thing that um, I really think is fascinating, so we were talking earlier about the fact that ponderosa pine grows in these drier regions, right? Yeah. So it is a tree that's adapted to grow in the western side of the world, or the western side of North America, on the eastern side of things, specifically mountain ranges. 
Only on the Eastern? Not only. It's not 100%. But if you drew a map and you were trying to figure this out, um, it if you take the Cascade Ranges mm-hmm. and you take the, um, or let's just say take the Cascades and the Sierra Nevada, which is the big um, line of mountains that are way on the west side of uh, Western North America. I'm trying to keep my geology straight in reference and it's really challenging. I need to, my brain is doing gymnastics right now. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Um, so everyone knows that Oregon and Washington are just super wet areas. Like that's what we're all famous for. Oh, go to Seattle, go to Portland. You're just going to be just rainy all year round. Yeah, but it's a dry rain, right? It's a dry rain. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so if you are on the east side of the Cascades, okay. it is not a rainy place. Yeah. And if you are in Oregon then if you're on the east side of the Cascades, you still have two-thirds of the rest of the state to get through before you get out of the state. So really, the whole state is actually a much drier place. It's just this west side of the Cascades, this one-third of western Oregon that's really lushly green. And even when you go to the south, it still gets really warm. For sure. So the reason I bring this up is we have on the west side, we have this amazing amount of rain constantly falls and then as soon as you get to the east side of the cascades Mm -hmm. the rain stops i i have noticed this but i've also noticed like when it rains in eastern oregon it freaking rains it comes down it's either that or it's such a like i think it's raining right now yeah i can't tell and you just if you like you feel like you're getting wet it's not even a dry rain it's almost like a non-existent rain rain totally it's like a mist yeah or you just get absolutely dumped on one of the two yeah yeah so this is what we call the rain shadow effect. Have Whoa. you heard that? No, but oh. I like the words rain shadow. I When I first learned it, I was like, okay, what does that exactly mean? Rain shadow. It sounds to me like, is it maybe a, like a cyberpunk uh, netrunner? Oh, I see. Yeah. It's, okay, shadow. I see. Yeah, this is like a, a film noir, but in the future. It's it, like that, yeah, exactly. Tron meets 300. <laughs> sure let's just go yes. why not i guess not tron no no what was the sin city that was the movie there was like oh. film noir and like you know that kind of uh comic booky sort of you know, uh, aesthetic you know blade runner mm, yes that's that's cyberpunk oh gotcha oh shoot yeah. i oh it's i haven't like seen that movie mostly neon like yeah. a lot of neon a lot of robot cars where are my cyberpunk heads out yeah, there what's up in this case unfortunately it's not well, it's just a fun term. The rain shadow effect is a fun term, a better, a more utilitarian term for the orographic effect is what it's called. Orographic. Which one do you like better? I like rain shadow. Me too. Well, let me give you a definition. Okay. Or what it means, what it actually represents. It is the definition or the term for the phenomenon mm-hmm. of water and clouds and rain happening on the windward side of some big thing, usually a mountain range. Okay. And then on the leeward side, which is the opposite side, Uh it's dry as heck. So windward is the direction that the wind is blowing? Yes. So let's take Oregon, for example, because it's really, it's one of the best examples of this effect, even in the world. Mm -hmm. The other one is the um, Himalayas, actually. Sounds like more Oregon elitism to me. Oh, it totally is orographic in the elitism. (laughs) Yeah, Oregon's (laughs) just got the best wind. Uh, Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) 
Hey, no, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> I put that hashtag on every single thing we put on. Oregon? No, PDX. Oh. I guess it's also Oregon. Yeah, well, we're, we yeah. live here. The orographic effect is uh, in Oregon. Let's take that, for example, like we said. You are going from all of our weather comes off of the Pacific Ocean, and it's comparably warm. And when I say warm, I mean like, you know, 55, 60 degrees, you know, 50 degrees in terms of air temperature, mm. pretty often, at least the water, certainly. Okay. So as the wind and all of our weather comes from the west off the ocean, it hits the cascade or it hits the coast range, and then it dumps a bunch of water on the west side of the coast range as it's coming over from west to east. So the windward side is going to be on the west side because that's where the wind hits it. I see. So the wind hits it and then it gets forced up because you have this physical mountain range there, right? So yeah. the wind and the, the weather, it has to actually physically rise. As it rises, it cools. When air gets cooled, it can no longer hold as much moisture and water within it. So then the water condenses. When water condenses, it rains. As the water is raining, it then moves over and all of a sudden, once it gets over the top of those mountains, it then re- goes and, and comes back down. And then it fills in and doesn't have to, uh, it doesn't have to say high, so it starts to go down. Okay. As it goes down, it warms back up again, which means it can now hold more moisture. However, it's not absorbing necessarily any more moisture. It's just not releasing any more moisture. So then you get the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Much more dry than either the Cascades or the Coast Range. The weather then continues to move to the east. Are you following me? Yes. Okay. Stick with me for this last bit. My it, heart is racing. It's because the wind's racing. <laughs> so as then the weather is continually moving over, this weather system moves to the east. It hits the the Cascade Range. As it hits the Cascade Range, it has to go twice as high because they're much higher than the Coast Range. It dumps all the rest of its water out. As again, it has to go even higher, condenses again, drops it all, goes back over to the other side, the east side of the mountains now, and it's a super dry. It's lost a bunch of its moisture, and as it lowers, it warms up, so it's not even inclined to release any more moisture. It mm. actually absorbs more moisture now okay. in the air. It basically starts to become a much drier weather system and it starts to create an arid landscape. So if you are driving across the Cascades, you can go from a space that has gigantic Douglas fir all over the place, lush forests all the way down to the ground. And you just keep moving east within 10 miles. It's going to be a complete different or completely different forest. Only ponderosa pine, maybe some junipers, a Douglas fir here, maybe another one there, and there's not going to be any understory. And all of a sudden, you have within um, a 50-mile radius, you go from the luscious rainforest in the temperate regions of North America all the way to some of the driest areas in the same place, all within a couple miles of years of you know this drive. And that's because the mountain is sort of disrupting this weather? Exactly. All right. And so it creates a rain shadow on the other side. Ah. Now we're all back full circle. (laughs) This is going to be the shittiest editing for you. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to give a quick rundown for that again. 
You start from the west. Mm. You have warm, wet air. Yep. It hits a mountain range. The mountain range forces it up. The warm, wet air cools down, releases its moisture. Sure. The moisture then goes away. It then crests over, goes to the other side of the mountain range, warms back up again, has less moisture, doesn't drop any rain. Got it. And the mountains are what cause that. Cool. So if you're looking over uh, in an um, aerial photo and you're looking down, mm-hmm. you are going to see super green on the west side of the Cascades, super dry on the other side, on the east side. Same exact situation with the Himalayas. You go to the look at the Himalayas, they are this massive, massive, gorgeous rainforest on the south side. On the north side, the Gobi Desert. Wow, Okay. If you go to, and that's because the the weather patterns are going north from south. Yes, precisely. I see. Yeah, and then Madagascar, same thing. East side of the mountains versus west side of the mm-hmm. mountains, completely different ecosystems. What about the Appalachians? Are those too too short? Yeah, they're too short, and their weather doesn't come from one direction or come from that uh, the east west direction. So basically, perpendicular to the mountain range. Yeah. a lot of their weather comes off of the Gulf, so it I goes see. up. I see. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, ponderosa pine. Remember, we're talking about trees here. And this yeah. Podcast. What is this? A weather yeah, podcast? Get out of here. What a meteorologist, Casey Clapp, <laughs> and his faithful hound, Alex. <laughs> he he always howls when the weather comes through. <laughs> I couldn't think of something that I'm qualified for, even in a so fantasy he just scenario. Became a hound. So I just became a a dog. I really wish that someone would animate our like inner monologue so that we can see what this looks like in like a Disney movie fashion. Have you seen any of Ricky Gervais's podcast that's like him and Stephen Merchant? No. And Carl Pilkington and they animate it. No. And it looks like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. <laughs> it's really good. It sounds think, great. Ah, I'm suddenly forgetting what it's called. It might just be called the Ricky Gervais Show. Oh, yeah. We should do that. Yeah. Let's name their show after us. All right. I'm going to get really good at animating. Yeah. <laughs> Alex does all the work. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So the Ponderosa Pine is a wonderful tree because it has adapted itself to grow in this rain shadow area. And the rain shadow of the Cascades is basically the Great Basin. It's the entire central area between Oregon and Idaho. But then Idaho has other Rocky Mountains that kind of come through. Hmm. But then on the other side of the Rockies, you get that another kind of rain shadow effect. Shadow effect. Interesting. So any mountains that are that are perpendicular like that to their weather, mm-hmm. you can tend to find this effect happen. And there's if you go on the Wikipedia page for this, there's examples all over the wow, world. Wow, Casey, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, and you can follow these patterns through all of our crazy mountains in the West here, and you can say, oh, well, I wonder if there's ponderosa pine there, and I bet you <gasps> there will be. Interesting. Even on the uh, the eastern side of the Olympic Peninsula, which is up in Washington with the Olympic Mountains, it's right on the coast. It's this huge, big mountain range. And mm. if you just go to the east side, you can find a couple spots that are dry enough that there's native ponderosa pine growing there. Okay. It's mind-blowing. And they're also like just super beautiful trees. Yeah. I mean, if you can find the big ones with that really gorgeous yellow-orange bark, oh, stunning they're they're super beautiful i i've always always loved the way they look um when you when you come down down the the cascades yeah onto the other side of uh oregon <laughs> central oregon yeah don't call it eastern oregon they'll get very upset excuse me central oh you oregon. didn't you're fine 
Yeah, well, uh, just preemptively. I don't want to make any enemies in Central Oregon. <laughs> no <Casey>. one does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said it's. You said the ponderosa pine is good at you know a good adapter yeah. to those arid climates. Yeah. I don't know if this is if this is meaningful to say at all, but it sort of reminds me of cowboys. It, no, and it should. Yeah. Uh, there was a whole cowboy show called Ponderosa for the longest time. Thank you for jogging my memory, Casey. You're welcome. Literally the one thing I wanted to talk about in this episode that I forgot until just this moment <laughs> is how the Ponderosa Pine got its name. Oh, my God. I'll give you three guesses. Um, from the TV show? Oh, no. Sorry. That was the opposite, opposite way. They named the TV show after the tree. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm actually, I'm leading you on because you know this answer, you just don't know that you know this answer. Oh my gosh. Who gave this tree its name? Wait, David Douglas? David Douglas. What? Yeah, David Douglas did this. He was walking around and he called it Ponderosa because it's so heavy. It's one of the heaviest, densest woods for a softwood. I say that in quotes, but yeah. Softwood. Wait, what does that have to do with Ponderosa? Oh, gotcha. Hold on one second. Oh. Um, usually people would refer, not historically, people have referred to broadleaf trees as hardwoods, like uh-huh. maples and oaks and lindens, and then they would refer to conifers as softwoods. Okay. And this is not unreasonable. Like a lot of the wood for the fir or for pine are generally softer than what you'd get for a hardwood tree, you I know, see. like an oak. Or a black walnut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Mm. But there are some uh, broadleaf trees that are super soft, like complete, like a willow wood. You can just like carve straight into that. It's nothing. Okay. Balsa wood, the famously light, tiny wood, that's a broadleaf tree. And then the ponderosa pine, ponder, ponderosa, ponderous, it means heavy. If you ever, you know, you remember, you've read uh, the uh, one of the Game of Thrones series books. I know it's called A Song of Ice and Fire. Just, no one knows what we're talking about when you say that. Cutting people off at the pass. <laughs> I was getting my phone out ready yeah, to correct you. I know. <laughs> they, uh, But yeah, in, in there, some of the maesters were like, it's a ponderous tome. And that means it's a heavy book. I see. Uh-huh. So it's called the Ponderosa Pine because its wood is so heavy. So they called it the Ponderosa Ponderous Pine. And it's wood being heavy is notable because most conifers are softwood. That is it. Got it's, it. It's the perfect example of a hardwood softwood. Hardwood softwood. <laughs> oh, God. New roots, new shoots. Yeah, there's someone who's just like learning all these things for the first time and they're getting pulled in so many different directions. <laughs> Alex points as himself when I say that. You're such a good person. Casey, I think now is a perfect time to rate the Ponderosa Pine on a scale of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. I think that's a great idea. As our resident expert, we shall begin with you. All right. I personally have a lovely affinity affinity for this tree. I spent a lot of time in the last uh, last summer, actually, um, in Ponderosa Pine Forest. Like, that was my goal. I wanted to go to the central in the southern areas of the state of Oregon, and cool. I explored. However, um, they... Will also their needles super sharp, and you oh. can't walk around barefoot in a ponderosa pine needle forest because they're everywhere, and you just walk on these little literal needles, and they poke you a lot. Jeez, yeah, it's not bad, but I would know. never have that problem. There's no <laughs> yeah. way you're catching me barefoot in a forest. <laughs> Man, you haven't lived, Alex. I'm gonna get you out there one day and be like, Alex, take off your shoes. Uh, no. <laughs> then I'm taking you home. Okay, that sounds fine. 
Um, all right. So the ponderosa pine is, it's one of my favorite pine trees because of its, it's, I, I think I always use this term, this stateliness. Like it just, if you can get a big one, its grandeur is, is unescapable. And it also, as it, the branches get really big, they also have those crazy patterns on it, like the bark. Oh, cool. And so you can end up getting these like trees that just have these like, I don't I, I can't even describe it. Like it, it looks like a tree, but it's painted. Wow. It's my, I just think they're so beautiful. They do look a bit like, uh, oil pastels. Yeah. The bark that, looks, looks like it was drawn with oil pastel. I would be willing to bet if someone did a painting that that would be the right medium. Cool. So having said all this, I would probably give it a straight 8.0. 8.0. 8.0. Golden Cones of Honor for the Ponderosa Pine. That's right. We cover all of my favorite trees this year, <laughs> except maybe the Arborvita. So I feel bad. Everything's getting such a great score. Well, you know, maybe there's a lesson in that. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there is. We'll get some stinkers in here, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. We oh. have hundreds to cover. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, Alex. What about you? Ponderosa Pine. I think it's so great for so many reasons. Heavy wood. Big, big fan of the bark. Okay. I think it looks gorgeous. Uh, also, I like that it's a, it's a, it's a, a highly adaptable, you mm. know? It found where it grows, and by gummit, it's going to grow. That's true. Ponderous pine. Um, I love the cones. I think it's kind of cool that they're really sharp. Yeah. They're kind of sharp all around. The Ooh. needles are sharp. The cone is sharp. You got to be kind of tough living where they grow, right? I love it. Yeah. Casey, I love it. It's a ponderous tree. I think it's also a great revelation that it was named by our man, David Douglas. The one and the only. (laughs) R.I.P. His bone's still somewhere in that pit trap. Somewhere eaten by a tiger. (laughs) No, this is Hawaii. They don't have tigers in Hawaii. What am I saying? Not classically, no. Yeah. All around, I give the Ponderosa Pine a 7.2. 7.2? And I give it a hearty howdy. <laughs> oh, that puts it up to 7.7, I'd say, any day of the week. <laughs> wow, a howdy is worth 0. 0.5 cones? <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I, yeah. Sure, 7.7, including the howdy. Yeah, if we ever just review words, then howdy by itself gets 0. 0.1 or that, 0.5 Golden Cones of Honor. That's another podcast. Yeah, that's, that's our etym- etymology podcast. Oh, what a fun podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sounds incredible. I would love to do that someday. <laughs> All right. Not a bad showing from the Ponderosa Pine. Not a bad showing. Pretty good. Yeah. Well done. And yeehaw. Yeehaw. Can I propose a yeehaw for the Ponderosa Pine? I think you can. On three, everyone. One, One two, two, three. Yeehaw. <laughs> I was going to leave space for people to do it, but I'm really glad you did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all doing it together. <laughs> Sorry. All right. You edit in yours. <laughs> Casey, that was our review of the Ponderosa Pine. That was a lot of fun. Let's move on to our completely arbitrary Q&A. And this <laughs> week, I have a really fun question for you, Case. Okay, I'm ready. This week, our question is from Ellen. Hi, Ellen. On Instagram. Instagram. Ellen says, loving your podcast. My friend and I listen to it together when we go hiking and are excited to start identifying trees in our areas. This is so exciting. That's the whole reason we're doing this, right? We want to be useful. That's right. Sometimes. Question for Q&A, if ever applicable, Okay, says Ellen. Do you believe in Bigfoot? (gasps) 
And what tree ecosystem do you think the squatches would love most to inhabit? Oh my God. She goes on to say, I'm a skeptic, but would love to have some tree, uh, love to what? I'm a skeptic, but would love to have some tree one up knowledge on my co. Oh, she wants to, uh, she wants to, to one up her coworkers oh, on her tree I see. knowledge. All right. Well, I hope your coworkers don't listen to this because here's some details. Sasquatch only like to eat acorns. Wow. I just made that up. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, I guess Sasquatch. <laughs> well, well, whatever you were about to say, <laughs> don't catch chickens before they hatch. Well, okay? Casey, what do you think? Do you believe in Sasquatch? Well, honestly. I do. I just want to so bad that I'm going to say that I do. Yeah. And I, you know what? I have decided that in throughout my infinite knowledge, I don't know everything. And I cannot say that I do or do not know if the Sasquatch exists. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first, I'm, folks. I'm going to be a politician one day. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote him on that. <laughs> I okay. I I'm gonna say yes. Why not? Okay. And what kind of uh, what kind of tree zone do you think he would live in? And you know, day to day life. What are you talking? <clears throat> okay. So I it's not that I've given this a lot of thought, but if we are trying to consider where a Sasquatch would live, first we need to consider the nature of a Sasquatch. The Sasquatch is ostensibly some humanoid kind of ape creature. It could, you know, be a carnivore. It could be an herbivore. Yeah. Who knows? It could eat all sorts of things. It could be an omnivore. Mm. But that means that it has to have either the ability to run down and chase and catch game. It needs to have the skills in the brain to sit there and like set traps to catch small game that just it could not physically catch, like a rabbit or a mouse or something. Yeah. But then also it would need to be able to eat when it couldn't catch these things, something like, you know, acorns and herbs and dig for, you know, uh, mushrooms and tubers, things like that. Okay. So... (laughs) I don't think it could physically live in the western side of the country. Of wow. North America. I just don't think it could do it. <coughs> it might be, uh, maybe, maybe you could have a very sparse population that doesn't have so much of an impact. And this is all carrying capacity. Like, this is all, there's biological theories about how this works, right? Okay. So if you have. Uh, a bunch of resources and you have it's why there's like um a bunch of deer but there's like exponentially fewer wolves and predators because you have to have x amount of those deer to live but they're only going to catch x amount of those deer so you can't just have the equal number right okay so if there are a bunch of resources then we're going to have several sasquatches if there are not a lot of resources Mm. and we other humans i say other humans because they're probably humans they have been moved around, uh, and we've taken all the lowland areas. So they would only be able to live in the mountain remote spaces, right? If that's the case, then they would have to eat a sparingly small amount of herbs because we just don't, like, if you go out there right now, you take off your shoes, you walk into the Ponderosa Pine Forest, you will not be able to survive because there's just not enough food. You would need to harvest a bunch of berries and you'd need to store them. You'd have to dig for tubers. You'd have to eat mushrooms. You'd have to catch wild game. You'd have to do all this kind of stuff. And it's not readily available, and every single one of those, except for probably some of the plants, are going to actively be trying to avoid you and not die. So, where has enough resources? The eastern forests have a bunch more resources Mm. than we have over here. 
there is a Planet Earth episode, and they're like, the the most biomass in the world is in the Pacific Northwest, the Pacific coast of North American, North American forests. Okay. But it's all in the trees. <clears throat> it's physically the mass and the size of our trees and our forests. I see. But there's not near as many variety of plants and animals and birds and things over here in the West as there is over in the East. Because the broadleaf, the flowering plants, have a lot more resources to provide. A, their leaves are just a little more tasty. They produce fruit and flowers that are literally filled with energy so that that will be a great resource. So you get a lot more things that can eat food, right? Then on top of that, there's just a bigger variety. We have like 25 different species of trees. They have like 2,500 species of trees. And so you get a bunch more resources. So I would say if there was going to be a place that Sasquatch would live, it would be the Appalachian Mountains in the eastern side of the United States, specifically in the northern areas is my thought because there's more diversity of flora and fauna. I am truly speechless. <laughs> you haven't said anything. <laughs> I wanted confirmation if you agree or not. I'm sitting here like, was all that crazy? Am I crazy? I think I'm crazy. Great answer. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, <laughs> That was astonishing. Well done. <laughs> I loved every moment of that. You are truly astonished right now. Like, your jaw was open for a little while. Yeah, my face is hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. Um, I don't know if it's true, and I can't back up any of that. And Well, sure. Um, that's, uh, you know, I, I literally just put all that together then. But it's I'm a like, good theory. Yeah, it's I'm a shotgun theory. It. That's what that was, yeah. Yeah. But that's that's what I thought. I mean, I, I've thought about it a little bit before. Okay. Not a lot. Well, you did a great job. Thanks. Ellen, I hope that answers your question. Uh, here's my answer. All right. I think that there are probably a few of these things, uh, and I think they're actually uh, ancient giant sloths. Whoa! That have evolved to look more humanoid. Oh, my God. And I think they- uh, To, like, walk on their hind legs, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think they are gatherers. I think they eat acorns and berries mm-hmm. and fruits and things. And I think they live sort of in dens, like in hollows. Okay, you know? yeah. And I think they like telecommunicate with squirrels <laughs> and kind of like have squirrels like gather acorns for no them. No way. They have, like a little hive mind. What thing would going. the squirrel get from it? Uh, it doesn't have a cho- it doesn't have a choice. It's oh, just, I it's see. A, it's a mind it's like, control. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think they're probably in Oregon. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. That honestly, that makes, that makes good sense to me. You actually have evolutionary, uh, history on your side. (laughs) So. (laughs) If you have a question about trees or big feet. (laughs) Trees or other related topics. That's right. Email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Visit our website, completelyarbitrary.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at ArbitraryPod or uh, sign up for our Patreon. There's a bunch of fun stuff happening there. Patreon.com slash ArbitraryPod. Join the Golden Cone of the Month. Excuse me. It's just called the Cone of the Month Club. Wow. Not the Golden Cone of the Month Club. They are golden, though. Sort of. Yeah, in a, in a sort of emotional way. Exactly. Yes. Join the Cone of the Month Club and get a monthly cone sticker and an info card sent to you directly from Casey Clapp and Alex Croson of mm. our Completely Arbitrary. That's us. <laughs> really gumbled through that. Oh, you well. You did a great job. We're t- tail stretch here. 
I'm feeling good, honestly. Now I'm just thinking about squatches. I'm thinking about that skunk ape down in Florida. Uh, Yeah, we didn't even talk about... There's that accent again. I heard it. Sorry. Wow. We're not talking about a northern tree right now. We're going to talk about... uh, We're going to talk about skunk ape ape next time. Yeah, and what about the Yeti? (laughs) There are so many of these things. We're going to... I'm going to do some research. I'm going to be up all night. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening.